Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, November the 29th, 2022. It is currently 9.24 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Discouragement. Oh, oh, I, I know you know the word. I know you know the word. Discouragement. Think of times in your life where you have experienced discouragement. You have been discouraged. What made you discouraged? What did it feel like? Now, the definition, the the dictionary definition of discouragement is this, a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. They also have dispiritedness, where you kind of lose your spirit, dispiritedness. Um, uh, they, They also say an attempt to prevent something by showing disapproval or creating difficulties. In other words, if you you try to discourage someone else, you try to discourage something by showing your disapproval or creating difficulties for them to, for something to happen or for them to not feel discouraged. I think it's interesting. There, There are times where we feel discouragement, but there are times when we are the discourager. That, 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 that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. I don't know if I'm going to focus on us being the discourager in this episode, but now it, when I started thinking about that definition, I wasn't even going to read the second definition, but now that I've read it, I'm like, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole different way of thinking. But I just want to talk about discouragement. We, we, we should think about in what ways do we discourage and what ways do we discourage other people? But for tonight, I just want to think about discouragement in general. Discouragement. Now, if we look up other definitions, if we go to Merriam-Webster, it just says the act of discouraging the state of being discouraged. So he kind of brings both ideas together. The act of discouraging, there's what we do to other people. We, We discourage other people and then the state of being discouraged. Now, if I click on that, Merriam-Webster has discourage. Here's the definition he has for discourage. To deprive of courage or confidence. So you can lose your, when you're discouraged, you can lose your enthusiasm. In a sense, you can lose your spirit for something, but you can lose your courage. You can lose your confidence. You can be disheartened. All right? So there, there's the same there's the same idea. It's a lack of courage. It's a lack of enthusiasm. It's a lack of spirit. It's a lot. It's where you, it's where you lose, or I should say this. It's a loss of courage. It's a loss of confidence. It's a loss of excitement. It's a loss of spirit. It's a loss of heart. Now, I, I, in your life, there have been probably some times where you have felt so very discouraged, maybe discouraged as a parent, discouraged as a spouse, whether husband or wife, discouraged in your career, dis- discouraged in your uh, place in life, discouraged with church. You, you probably have felt this. So take normal discouragement, general discouragement. Now, let's move it from the general and let's just kind of walk over here 
to something very specific. Spiritual discouragement. You have the concept of general discouragement. Now let's walk it over to spiritual discouragement. Now, this is where you lose your enthusiasm well, for things related to that which is spiritual. In a sense, you lose your spirit, your heart, your passion, your zeal for that which relates to the things of God, that which is spiritual. You lose your courage, your confidence, and that which is spiritual. Like, like here's all these, here's all the things that relate to the word of God, to God, theology, doctrine, scripture, salvation, prayer, just everything you'll put in the spiritual category. And you just find yourself disheartened, lifeless, spiritedless like you 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 seem to have lost your spirit you you seem to have lost your lost your heart there's no excitement there's no courage or confidence in it now can you relate to that i think everyone i think everyone can relate to the general discouragement i think many christians don't want to acknowledge the spiritual discouragement to be fair in some churches Christians don't even want to acknowledge general discouragement because if you acknowledge general discouragement, someone may call into question your salvation, your spirituality, and, and then you just, they just heap guilt upon you and say, you need to be doing this and need, and they usually give you 50 things to do to supposedly fix your discouragement, which may only discourage you more. So that's a whole problem right there. It's just general discouragement. But spiritual discouragement, I think even when you feel the spiritual discouragement, once again, people in the church, Christians, will typically heap a list of things you should and shouldn't be doing and call into question your salvation. And they will you know, basically be telling you, you need to read your Bible, go to church, and give you a, a list of things to do, which you'll probably end up falling short of, which you'll only become more discouraged. Okay, typically, typically Christian solution to discouragement is stop feeling that way. You're not very spiritual. You may not even be saved. And you need to be doing these 50 things. You need to do this spiritual discipline. You need to do this. You need to go to church more. You need to read your Bible more. And you need to pray more. And that's typically Christian solution for everything. You know, hey, hey, I was in a traffic accident and I just chopped off my arm. Well, what you need to do is pray more. You need to go to church more. You need to read your Bible more. And you're like, no, no, I just cut off my arm. No, Christians don't say go to the doctor. You're like, pray. I mean, and I know I'm being obviously ridiculous, but I'm trying to make a point that sometimes Christian solution to everything is do more do more, do more, okay? And it's like, uh, I don't know if that's always the solution. I, I think that's what we just, read your Bible more, pray more, go to church more, listen to more sermons, stop listening, stop watching Netflix and stop listening to music and, and, and stop reading novels and, 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 get, off, and get off the internet and, and just, just, just pray more, read more, live like you're a monk. There, you'll be better. I, I think it's always the go-to. But spiritual discouragement. Now, I think the reality is, Christians experience spiritual discouragement far more than they want to admit, far more than they want they 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 would like to admit. And you know what I think happens? I think spiritual discouragement becomes a point of shame, of embarrassment. You feel like a failure. 
I, I mean, I, I, th- I think it, I think it does because now you're like, even spiritually, I'm discouraged. I think sometimes general discouragement creeps over into spiritual discouragement. I think there's a link between the two. But I'm asking you this evening, at this late hour, depending on your time zone, it may be even later, but at this late hour, I typically don't live broadcast at this time, but I just want to talk to you tonight about discouragement. Now, this is a very, uh, this is a very appropriate topic for this evening. Let me explain. First, I have been discouraged this evening. If you go to the Bible study exercise series on, say, the Church One app, Sermons 2.0 app, or if you're just scrolling through any of the other podcast apps, and you see a broadcast, you see an episode entitled Thematic Method PDF. You see, I had this great idea for someone to create a PDF file of the thematic method of Bible study, because that's the method of Bible study. We're kind of using a modified version of it for our study on fear over the next seven weeks. So someone created it. So I thought, you know what? I'll just walk upstairs real quick and say, hey, guys, we've got this PDF file available. Find the uh, episode entitled Thematic Method PDF. You can find it on the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app. Um, Just use the PDF. Just know we're using a modified version. And oh, let me clarify something. For the thematic method, you're supposed to come up with a number of questions, in this case about fear, only come up with six, no more, no less. I want to clarify that because I wasn't clear in the last one. That's all I wanted to do. It was supposed to be like a 10 or 12 minute episode. I mean, because clearly it's entitled Thematic Method PDF. I mean, it's about, the. It, it's really just there to give to tell you the PDF file is available, right? right? You don't really want to add more to that episode because, because if you add something else, people are probably not even going to listen to it or even notice it. They're just going to say thematic method PDF, and they're just going to be like, oh, he's offering a PDF file. I don't care. So obviously you don't want to waste your time doing something else. Well, for some weird reason, I just decided to start the episode by going, hey, Let's go to Psalm 33, verse 8. That's the key verse for this week for our study on fear. And I read it. And then the next thing you know, I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I just inadvertently went into like a, just started doing a Bible study. I started breaking it down, outlining it. And just, I just, that's, that's what I started doing. And then all of a sudden I realized when I got to tell everyone about the PDF file, I was like, hey, look for the episode called Thematic Method PDF. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, wait, what did I just do? I just did all of this Bible study and it's now going to be on an episode that 90% of the people are not even going to listen to. What was I do? Why did I just do that? And it just, I just felt, and from that point, everything was just discombobulated. Everything was just discombobulated. So I was so... I was frustrated and I was discouraged, like, you know, man, why did I do that? And in reality, it's not that big a deal, right? I did like a 12-minute Bible study. Big deal. It's really not that big a deal. If someone hears it, great. If someone doesn't, but I just for some weird reason, it just hit me. Like sometimes discouragement, you don't even know why you're discouraged. Like really, should that discourage me? I should have just said, well, who cares? It's posted. I did what I wanted to do. It's good. Just move on. But no, 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 no. I was discouraged. So then a little bit later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk up. I'm going to go open the door, walk up those stairs uh, 
to the uh, studio, and I'm going to go live, and I'm going to do a Tuesday evening Bible study on fear, and I'm going to take what I did, and I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to expand it. Well, <laughs> when I was done with that, I was like, that was garbage too. That I messed that up as well. There were some things I didn't do right, and I'm like, I, I, I repeated myself too many times. I was just beating myself up going, okay, this is garbage, okay? I messed up, then I go up there to correct it. I spend 40 minutes trying to correct it, and it's still garbage. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to st- forget the whole, forget this whole series on fear. I'm just going to call the whole thing off now because clearly, I, and, I, and I got discouraged. Wait, look, way over dramatic, way over the top, just ridiculous. Like it really wasn't that serious. It really wasn't that serious. And sometimes you find yourself being discouraged and you're like, why am I being discouraged? Why am I discouraged? Why am I down on myself. But see, now it's my general discouragement kind of started creeping over into spiritual discouragement because then it was like, I don't even care about the study on fear. I don't even want to do it. I don't even care about Psalm 33. Like I I really almost started having a pity party, what I did. did. And so I had to work through it, had to work through it. And uh, it was, it was really, it was really just frustrating. But, um, that, that's what can happen. It can just happen. Anything can cause you to be discouraged. So it's appropriate tonight that I'm talking about discouragement because right there, I, I kind of felt it. Now, what's interesting is I had no idea, obviously, that was going to happen when I woke up this morning because I don't know what time it was. I opened up the Sermons 2.0 app. I opened the Sermons 2.0 app. I think it was around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I don't know. Because, you know, for those who don't know, I always have to listen to like a million things when I, I can't, I can't sleep in silence because the minute it becomes silence and my brain picks up the silence, it will just start running a million miles a second, going from this subject to this subject, to this subject, to this subject, to this subject. It's literally maddening. It's like a million voices in my head all talking at once. And I just want to scream. So I have to turn something on, right? And, and, and typically it's got to be talking. It's got to be like a, a lecture. It's got to be a sermon. It's got to be a news program because then my mind will focus in on that one topic. And then all the voices in my head go, they're quiet and I'm focusing on one thing. So all throughout the night, I'm like, I'm listening to podcasts, this, 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 this. So around 3, 4 a.m., I found myself needing something to listen to. So I grabbed the Sermons 2.0 app and I looked down to the series that I follow. And one of the series I follow is United Prayer Meditations. United Prayer Meditations. And this is their description. This is their description. Um, we, are a dedic- we are a dedicated group of individuals of all ages from around the world that meet over Zoom to pray. These are the devotional thoughts at the beginning of each prayer time. Will you consider joining us to pray for revival? And I'm like, okay, for, I, I think it's a cool idea that they're praying for revival. I think it's cool that they meet each day. I think it's cool that they do a devotional thought at the beginning. So I follow the series and I try to listen to as many as possible. They're, they're All of them are relatively short, so it just fits in to the time frame. In fact, a little bit of this is what kind of was a little bit of the, the motivation um, and inspiration for me trying to do the, today's focus podcast series, which I've been discouraged about that as well, because I don't think I've yet found the, 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 the rhythm that I want to be in with that. But all of that to say, I hit play and realized, oh, wait, 
this is about spiritual discouragement. Ah, oh, this is interesting. And it just hit me. As soon as I started listening, I was like, stop, stop, stop it. I'm going to use this. I, I, at some point, I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I may do a review on it. And so when I woke up, I posted it in the Discord channel. We have a, a part on our Discord server. We have a specific channel for podcasts and sermons. Anytime someone listens to a podcast or a sermon, they can just post a link to it. So I posted a link, said, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I'm considering reviewing it. And I just kind of left it. Now, it was just interesting. It's about discouragement, which later in the evening, I'm going to find myself discouraged, which tells me I probably should have listened to it instead of saying, waiting for to possibly review it for a podcast. Because remember how I do things when I do a review, I don't like to listen to it first. What I should have done is stop worrying about the podcast and just said, I probably need to hear something about spiritual discouragement, but I didn't listen to it and then found myself discouraged later in the evening. Yeah, see how life works. Okay. All right. But later in the evening, someone came in and said, Hey, I listened to that message on spiritual discouragement and I'm interested in your thoughts. I would like to hear that review. And I was like, well, then I guess I'm going to do that review. So I've been, I've faced a little bit of discouragement. I have uh, had someone ask me to review this. So clearly this is what I'm supposed to be doing this evening. But I will say this. In my spiritual life, I think discouragement in my spiritual life has been one of my greatest struggles. Specific things discourage me greatly about Christianity, within Christianity, and within myself. All right? And at times I find myself just like disheartened, disillusioned, discouraged, despondent, almost depressed, and just like, I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it all. I'm just tired of it all. And, and sometimes that's just because of my own sin. So let make, let's make it very clear. Sometimes I'm discouraged about Christianity because of my own sin and my own failure. Sometimes I'm discouraged just because of dealing with professing Christians who either the, the way they treat you or they, what they say about you or just, just, just the things they do. Sometimes you're just discouraged by being a, uh, by being a pastor and having to deal with all the things you have to deal with. So th- th- I just think discouragement is something that I can at least relate to in some way. Discouragement in life, I can to some level, but definitely spiritual. Di- I think I've been, I think I've encountered spiritual discouragement more than general discouragement. I, I think I'm more discouraged spiritually than I am generally, which is kind of interesting. Generally, I just kind of, I just, my, my outlook in life generally is like, look, Life is always like my whole life. It's been problems and difficulty and pain and and death and just all the I, I can go all day on all the bad things that happen. So I just kind of expect when I wake up every day, what horrible things going to happen today? Who? What? Who? What? Like if something bad happens, I just kind of like expect it. Even if there's the potential of something bad, I just assume it's going to be as bad as it can be. I'm just kind of very jaded just cynical and just so, so I I don't get too discouraged in general in life because I just expect it to be bad. But spiritually, I find myself encountering spiritual discouragement a lot in my Christian life, which is kind of interesting because what I should expect, I guess within Christianity is just what I should expect in life. Maybe my expectations are wrong, 
but I have clearly experienced it. Now, I know I've already taken 19 minutes. We haven't even got to it. So I say all of that, and and just kind of as an introduction, to say that I've got the audio of this message entitled Countering Spiritual Discouragement that was published on November the 28th, 2022. I didn't see it till early this morning. And, um, well, what do you say? What, I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing right now? Okay, I, I, whatever you're doing. Like, how about we review this audio on spiritual discouragement? And I, I don't know if I'm going to agree. Don't know if I'm going to disagree. Um, remember, when I do these reviews, it's not about like, trying to prove that I'm right and they're wrong. It's just like, no, thank you for your point of view, but I'm going to express my point of view. But everyone gets to benefit because they hear both, right? Does that make sense? So we're going to just dive into this and I don't know what's going to happen. If we, it's only 16 minutes long. So in theory, I should be able to finish it, but we know, look, I'm going to just review. And if we get to a point where I just like, we're going to stop right here and I'm just going to expound on that, then I will. Who knows what's going to happen because I never know because I don't listen to it in advance. So here we go. Today I am uh, I'm going to speak to you on a subject that uh, I'm sure everybody has gone through and everybody has experienced at a certain point. It is certainly one of them that plagues me at um, many times, and that is the whole issue of spiritual discouragement. And a spiritual discouragement, you'll find as you go through uh, church history that many, many of the great men of God experience such things. Men such as Charles Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards and David Brainerd, uh, John Wesley, D.L. Moody, Martin Luther, all at some point in their life had to contend with the issue of spiritual discouragement. Now, th- this is... This is a fascinating point, and I have read a lot about this, and, and it's very true. Those people he named definitely dealt with spiritual discouragement. Spiritual discouragement, I think, is a very common thing, which then raises the question, why is it so common? Is it common because I have a, a sinful nature, a depraved nature? Is it the result of my nature? Is it the result of living in a fallen world? Is it the result of wrong expectations and wrong thinking about what God should do, how he should do it, and how the Christian life should function? In other words, is the problem my expectation, my perception that, like, I'm a Christian, this is the way it should be? What, 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 what's the, I think it's very important to try to figure out why it's such a common experience. I don't know if he's going to answer that, but I just think it's fascinating that it is a common experience. And I think it's, I think general discouragement is common and I think spiritual discouragement is common. So maybe there's just something in the human makeup that is prone to discouragement. And is it, is it a part of our fallen nature? And I use a qualifier there. I'm not just talking merely about discouragement, but I'm talking about spiritual discouragement for that reason, because many times that we are discouraged, it is of a spiritual nature. We also see... And I, and I love that. He's, he's drawing that distinction between a general and a spiritual discouragement. And I think there is a distinction there. General, I... I, I I'm, I'm light. I, I lose my heart, my excitement, my spirit. I, 
courage, confidence, and it can be in a number of things. Spirituals, when those, when that, those feelings are directed specifically in your spiritual life, related to spiritual things. In the scripture, many of the great men in the scriptures um, that have struggled with discouragement. I think of Elijah in 1 Kings uh, 19, after that mighty battle on Mount Carmel, and he slew the prophets of Baal, um, finally runs away into wilderness. He finds out that Jezebel has, has basically put out a contract on his life. And you know the story, he crawls up underneath the juniper tree, and he says to the Lord, you know, you might as well take me. I'm the only one who has stood for you. And, of course, we know the the. the re- and I want to point that story out about Elijah. After the great miracle, did he just assume in his mind? Was his perception, was his expectation, hey, God wiped out the prophets. Everything should be back to normal, right? Everything's going to be good. Everyone's going to worship God. Everyone's going to repent. Everything's going to be great. Oh, wait, someone still, she wants to kill me? Wait a minute. Wait. So what was the point of the whole miracle? It didn't change anyone's heart. People still want to kill me. They. So what's the point? Is it because he had a wrong, now I don't, I'm only speculating. I'm not being dogmatic. I just think it's interesting. People from the past, people in the Bible, we're faced spiritual discouragement. Does it, it does it flow from? Is the source of it is because we look at life and go, like when something, this is what should be the result of it. Great miracle. Everyone should repent. Every, everyone should abandon idolatry. Every, wait, the wait, they want to kill me? That's not my expectation. I mean, the text obviously is a historical narrative, so we don't have we don't have someone giving us all the details. It just gives us the facts of what happened. But it's hard not to go, I wonder I wonder if Elijah had the wrong thinking here, the wrong perception, the wrong expectation. Is it possible that all of our spiritual discouragement is the simply the result of us having a wrong expectation that we place upon God? Hey, thank God, this should work. This is the way it should work. One of the obviously great periods of time of spiritual discouragement, forget spiritual discouragement, straight up spiritual depression happened early on in my Christian life. I'm a Christian, all right? Next thing you know, I'm not living in my home anymore because my Christianity, a lot of my own foolishness, won't go through the whole story, but let's just say everything exploded in my family to make it a thousand times worse than it already was, and I'm no longer living with my family. I'm living with another family because of how bad things get. Well, my mom calls me on a Wednesday. Hey, come to the house on Sunday. And I'm thinking maybe we're going to reconcile. Maybe maybe, maybe there can be some kind of peace. Well, that never happened because on Friday, aneurysm, boom, for all practical purposes, she's dead. They can't declare her dead until Monday morning. So basically, my mom's in the hospital. I Now, that's Friday afternoon or Friday morning afternoon. I go to the church. I spend 24 hours at the church begging, pleading, God begging, pleading. Look, Lord, I used to do this. That. I'm a Christian. I'm serving you. Just just heal my mom. Just just bring my mom out, you know, where, where, where there's got to be some hope. And well, my mom died. She died. And so I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So I, I back when I was doing everything horrible and wrong, my mom was alive. 
But I start, I become a Christian. Now my mom's dead. And then you won't even heal her. You won't even restore. Because my expectation was, well, you're all powerful. I'm being a good guy. I'm, I'm no longer doing drugs. I'm no longer selling. I'm being, a, and well, you don't even heal my mom. And well, we all know how that story ends, or some of you know, because, well, then I tried to kill myself. And in fact, uh, it was it was in November when I tried to kill myself because my mom died at the end of October. I tried to kill myself I think right at the end of October, the beginning of November. And so I was in a psychiatric hospital for eight weeks. Eight weeks I was there. It was a, yeah, it was a horrible time because I, my, but it flowed from my expectation, what I expected from God. So I wonder if all of our spiritual discouragement, I'm just, I'm just, look, this is pure, just hypothesis. I'm just, I'm just theorizing, right? You can tell me. Does it flow? Does all spiritual discouragement flow from a wrong expectation about how life should work, how things should work spiritually? I don't know. You can tell me. Rebuke or the response of the Lord was, hey, there's 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee to Baal and to continue. I think of my favorite prophet, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 9, 1, that he says, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the, uh, for the slain of the daughter of my people. I think of the Apostle John, right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after being in hiding for fear of the Jews, John makes a very simple statement, but it's a very telling statement. That statement is, I'm going fishing to return to his old profession. Now, was that John or was that Peter? I thought Peter said, I'm going fishing. Who? I could be wrong. Whoever it was, though, once again, did it flow from a wrong expectation? Because you remember the disciples' expectation is, hey, when are you going to set up the kingdom? Hey, who's going to sit at your right hand? Wait, when, when, when is the kingdom? When is the kingdom? Even in Acts, they're saying, look, I think it's in Acts I, I, hang on, I, I don't want to say anything incorrectly here. Was it was it John who said, let's go fishing? I thought it was Peter. I'm thinking it was Peter. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All right, hang on. Let me look this up really quick because it's an axe. It's an axe. All right. Um, okay, look, Acts, Acts chapter one, verse six. When they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the again the kingdom to Israel? See, their their expectation is, Lord, okay, we 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 you went through this death, burial, resurrection thing. Okay, now it's time for the kingdom. So that clearly shows what was in their mindset. When Jesus died, they had to be thinking, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's the kingdom? He's dead. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm going fishing. What, 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 I don't even know what's going on. And now even here, they're talking to Jesus. He's getting ready to ascend, and they're still asking, are you going to set up the kingdom now? Come on, now? Because they had a wrong expectation. Is it possible? Is it possible that all spiritual discouragement is the result of a wrong expectation that we expect God to do this and this and this, and God almost never does it the way we think, the way we think it should be done, when it should be done, how it should be done. It always seems to go contrary to what we think. So then we get upset and we get discouraged. Because he had rejected the Lord and uh, probably thought that the Lord 
had no need of him anymore. Okay, clearly he meant Peter because Peter had denied Christ three times and thought, well, Jesus, I mean, I mean I, I've messed up. There's no point in doing anything, so I'm going fishing. But of course, praise God. What, what is great about that story about Peter is the re- if Peter did that in the church today, everyone would be like, you're disqualified. Get out of the ministry. You're finished. You're done. Go somewhere, crawl in a hole and never be heard of again. But Jesus showed up and restored Peter. And the next thing you know, even the one who denied him three times is the one who preaches at Pentecost. The modern church would not accept that. But he was discouraged. But he was restored. But yeah. But again, why was he discouraged? Because, well, it wasn't going the way. Remember, Peter was the one saying, no, 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 you will not die. That's not going to happen. And remember, Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. Right? Because Peter constantly was not looking. Peter had his expectations of how things were going to work, and it did not go that way, which lead, I think, again, that's the source of spiritual discouragement. Spiritual discouragement is one of the most powerful tools uh, and weapons in the arsenal of our enemy. And Satan attempts to discourage us. Okay, now he puts it in the hands of Satan. Now, first, just always, I always just, I always have to throw this out there. Just remember when any, anytime someone says Satan is doing this, remember Satan is not omnipresent. He's not omnipresent. So I just, I have a hard time imagining that Satan is like, okay, all the demons gather around. How many demons do we have? Everyone go find a Christian and discourage them. I don't, I just think that their strategy would be bigger than that. I think the discouragement doesn't flow. It is not necessarily imposed on us from a satanic perspective, I believe the spiritual discouragement occurs within us because we have a wrong expectation that we we place on God and a wrong way of a wrong perception and a wrong expectation. That that's that's the theory I'm going with. You can go with their their theory. Just remember, if you go with their theory that it's Satan doing it, just remember he's not omnipresent. So clearly he can't be showing up to everyone. And second, I just I just don't know if he's going to in, in ploy the demons just to run around trying to discourage Christians. I think we do it ourselves because we have a wrong perception or idea of how God is supposed to work or how the Christian life is supposed to be or how church is supposed to be or how it's supposed to work. Now that I'm a Christian, this is the way I think it should work. And it almost never goes that way. Um, In our families, in our professions, in our devotion and our worship to God, And the enemy, what he would do is he would manipulate our circumstances, and he manipulates our circumstances specifically so that we would doubt God. I don't know. When you say manipulate our circumstances, I get a little nervous about that. I don't know exactly what that means. My theology, obviously coming from the London Baptist Confession Reformed perspective, God works all things according to his good pleasure and will. God is the one who decrees everything that comes to pass. God is working in the circumstances, right? So how can Satan manipulate a circumstance? Satan may work within a circumstance, but can he manipulate the circumstance without God? I mean, Satan couldn't do anything to to Job without God's permission and God's decree, right? And then he was limited in what he could and could not do. So can he manipulate 
the circumstances for a believer in order to discourage us? If he does it, it's because of God. God is the one decreeing it, right? I mean, I, 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 I think, see, and I think that's what happens. God does, God decrees or allows something that goes against our expectation, and that's the source of the discouragement. Even to attempt to get us to even blaspheme God. You know the thoughts that he puts inside your head. You know, where is your God? He'll have us turn against each other. He'll tempt us. Okay, now, again, does Satan put thoughts in your head? Or do the thoughts originate from your sinful nature, which is inside of you? Is the culprit Satan or is the culprit self? I mean, we got some serious theological implications here, right? Right? And even, and if Satan puts the thoughts in my head, isn't God allowing him to do so? So then is it a, God, a part of God's sovereign plan? Oh, so many questions here. Um, and question our motives and our intents. He'll lure us with laziness and indifference to the things of God. And again, he's he's giving this all in the, the hand of Satan. Satan is placing thoughts in our heads. Satan is luring us. Satan is making us lazy. It's all Satan. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be doing this to all believers unless he's got that. The only thing the demons do is hang out like, I'm, you know, hey, what are you doing, Bob, the demon? And I, I'm, I'm being very facetious here, but just to get the point across, uh, you know, there's a phone call, you know, they're, 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 they're communicating with each other. Hey, Bob, the demon, where are you hanging out? Well, I'm currently in Texas. 1802 Moonlight Drive. I'm hanging out. There's this uh, studio called Theology Central, and so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in and make him lazy and discourage him. I just don't. I I don't see. I know that's how most people perceive spiritual warfare. That you know, basically Satan is the one doing everything to us. I I'm just very 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 leery of that. I think 99% of our issues flow from inside of us because of our sinful nature. And then Satan can work in a more broader sense within the world system, which he uses that world system to give us the that which appeals to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So I, I just, whenever you say, well, Satan did this, Satan did this, you're talking that Satan is somehow present with you, doing that to you. And that to me, I don't, <laughs> of all the things Satan is worried about, I doubt he's worried about me. I don't know. I just, just, and I know when people say that, they may not quite mean it that way. But when you say Satan is the one doing it, that's kind of your only conclusion is to say he's present there doing it. He will tempt us with leisure instead of devotion and with the pleasures. See, does Satan tempt me with leisure? Or am I, is leisure just there? And I'm tempted by it by my own sinful nature. Do I need Satan even involved to be tempted by so, so leisure over devotion? Do I need Satan or is it just in me? My sinful nature will always desire leisure over devotion. Always. Always. Of the world and with feelings versus the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Satan's goal, and I think it's imperative that we remember this all of the time, is Satan's goal is to destroy our faith. And his purpose 
to stop the advance of the kingdom of God. And in short, Satan uses discouragement as one of his many strategies to hinder believers in the things of God. You know, Satan is called the great manipulator, and a lot of times he likes to manipulate our circumstances to discourage us, to turn ourselves against God. The Apostle Paul knew very well uh, times of discouragement, times of adversity and difficulty. He writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He writes of himself, being very transparent. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Passed down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. We should realize that the presence of trials and the presence of difficulties does not mean the absence of God. Rather, God works our circumstances for his good, and he causes us to triumph in Christ. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to our God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I find that there are so many times that when we study the scripture, we come across scriptures that we may have heard multiple times or that we may be familiar with multiple times, and they tend to lose a savor. They tend to lose a fragrance. But believer, I encourage you that they never do, that their words are true, their words are timeless. And it is not merely the word of God quoted in open air, but rather it is the word of God <laughs> you, you talk about discouragement. I think it's a phone or something going off while he's doing his uh, broadcast. I, that's the kind of stuff that I would be, woe is me. I'm so, I'm done. I'm discouraged. Like it would be be an insignificant thing. But see, my expectation is when I do a live broadcast, I'm not going to stumble over a word. I'm not going to have a, a problem with my my voice. Uh, I'm not going to, my voice is not going to crack. I'm not, nothing's, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to be uh, disturbed. There's not going to be any distraction. I'm going to say everything right. I'm not going to lose my train of thought. Like that's my expectation. And guess what? Typically things don't live up to my expectation. So I walk down the stairs here of the studio, go back to my study and sit there going, man, I don't literally cry, but I sit there and just pout like that didn't go the way I want to. And I shouldn't do this. And I discouragement because, but again, I think it flows from my expectation. So I'm going, he's placing it as Satan doing it. And I, Satan is not omnipresent. I don't believe he's running around trying to discourage every single person. I, I just don't believe that that's the way it works. I believe the issue is I have a sinful nature, right? I have a sinful nature. And that sinful nature is prone to all of the things he mentioned, loving leisure more than God, attracted by this, this. Okay, that that is just, that comes from inside of me. Satan doesn't have to do anything, all right? But I think this, the source of discouragement 
is not Satan. I think the source of discouragement is a wrong expectation within myself. I have a wrong expectation about what God should do, how he should do it, when he should do it. Have a wrong expectation about the Christian life, the wrong expectation about the church, the wrong expectation about marriage, the wrong expectation about whatever. That leads to spiritual discouragement. My expectation is wrong. And and you said, what should your expectation be? Well, the one thing I know, your expectation can't. This is what your expectation must never forget. You, when, whatever you're expecting to happen, this is what you must realize. Sin will always be a part of it. Sin will always be a part of it. And sin brings pain and discouragement and division and death and destruction. Sin is in everything. So you you all you whatever your expectation is, sin is there. So you can't, whatever you expect God to do, that does whatever God does, sin is still going to exist. There's still going to be problems. There's still going to be difficulties. And I think we just have wrong expectation. So I'm saying that discouragement flows from wrong expectation. I have that's my thesis. That's my th- you can tell me what you think, but let's finish this. Apprehended by faith. That is our song in our triumph. So in such situations, and I know that we enter a time of year this year, um, you know, uh, the media never ceases to remind us, does it not, that though the holiday season is a time when suicides go up and people are depressed and all the others, that does not have to be us, nor does it have to be us in the world, in the church today. So much is written about a defeated church of an impotent church, but believers, it is incumbent upon us that we have weapons available for our warfare so that we can stand against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy. So what I'd like to do is give you three principles for countering spiritual discouragement. Okay, he's going to give three principles to counter spiritual discouragement. Please write them down, but I'm going to give you mine. We must have a right expectation about our Christian life, about how God works. And we, ha- and we have to just realize God doesn't work according to the way I want him to work. And guess what? Pain, sin, suffering, death is a part of it. Failure, letdown, discouragement. I mean, all the, all the bad things that you can think of are, are a part of the Christian life. And if you create an idea that no, I mean, look, Elijah, that, why did he get upset? Well, look, a great miracle happened. Now everyone should just get rid of their idolatry. Wait a minute. They're trying to kill me. Well, that's not, just kill me. It's a way. No, this is a waste of time. See, because of wrong expectation. I'm going fishing. Wrong expectation. Because they thought Jesus was going to set up the kingdom and drive out and, and drive out the Romans and, and Israel was going to have the kingdom. And they were like, nope, nope, nope. This is not going the way we wanted it to go. Discouragement flow. So the number, we have to have a more honest expectation about how things work in the Christian life. Not this romanticized fantasy version of the Christian life, but a very hard realistic, biblical understanding of what the Christian life looks like. Let's see what three things he gives to counter spiritual discouragement. Three principles for countering spiritual discouragement. And the number one uh, one that we look at is that we do not lose heart. 
If you go back to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10, notice his words. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And believers, despair is not of God. I mean, not at all, right? Despair implies that there has been an absence, that there is a loss of hope. As believers, we have a constant hope. We have a constant certainty of a Lord who had said he'd never leave us, nor he would never forsake us. So we are not those like the world who have no hope. And we're persecuted, as Paul said, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Believers, as the elect of God, we do not and cannot lose hope. As Paul said, Christ always leads us in triumph. For it is God who goes before us, who fights for us, and who intercedes for us. That is the great truth that the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the question that we often ask ourselves is, why do Christians suffer trials and discouragements? And that question cannot always be answered easily in this life. We see trials and discouragement in the prophets, the apostles, the early church fathers, even in Christ. And he spared not his own son, but he delivered him for us, uh, for us all. How shall we not with him also uh, freely give us all things? Believers, we must hold to the word of God. And remind ourselves that with every trial and with every temptation, God will provide a way out. He is our deliverer. We do not lose heart. Proverbs 18.10 tells us, The name of the Lord is a strong power, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Now, I understand what he's saying, that we should not lose heart. But it, listen, if your expectations are wrong, I can tell you all day, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Okay, I'm not going to lose heart. And some people will understand that, okay, I'm not going to lose hope. God's going to fix this. This is going to change. This is, no, 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 no. You've got to have a right expectation or you will lose heart. So, so I, I, I understand that we don't lose heart, but I, I just think telling people, hey, look, don't lose heart. Now, I got to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Tell me your expectations. How do you think this situation should be working? Because almost always when you ask people when they're discouraged, tell me what you're discouraged about. And they're, they're going to tell you what is happening that, they're, that bothers them because it's not going the way they want it to go. It's not working out the way they want it to work out. They are frustrated. They're frustrated about what's happening in the church. They're frustrated about this. They're frustrated about their own Christian life. They're, fr they're frustrated about other Christians. They're, they're, and they're frustrated that God doesn't seem to be answering a prayer. God, why is God bringing all this pain and suffering in my life? It's all, it always goes back to things are not going the way I want them to go. Well, telling them, don't lose heart, 
seem, some people will interpret that to mean, and I'm not saying this is what the person is saying, but some people say, oh, I'm not going to lose heart. God's going to fix all of it. Then they come back six months later going, God didn't fix one thing. So stop telling me not to lose heart. Stop telling me to have hope. No, no, no. We've got to fix your expectations first. I think that's the key. So the first thing we must always remember is not to lose heart. The second principle is that our sufferings and our trials are momentary. Now listen, trials are designed by God to strengthen the believer, to grow in faith through the delivering power of God. Trials draw upon the unseen God who then displays his power and his glory in circumstances to cause us to persevere and to enable us as believers to overcome victoriously. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. These are momentary. These are things that at times may seem to come upon us quickly and rapidly. And in our humanness and in our frailty, sometimes we don't see that exit. One of the verses that has been a real encouragement to me in my life and came to me right before I was saved, as a sister shared this word with me, which is Job 23.10, which states, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth pure as gold. Believers, God knows the path that we are on. We are to remain in Christ, not to despair as the rest of the world, with eyes of faith, firmly fixed on the victory that will be ours. Remember that in our weakness, his power is displayed. So the first principle is not to lose heart. The second principle is that our sufferings and trials are momentary. And the third principle is that we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. Discouragement usually occurs because of circumstances, specifically life circumstances. And I would, mo- I would modify it. Discouragement happens because of circumstances, but it's not the circumstances that cause it. It's our wrong expectation in regards to circumstances. Circumstances happen that go against our expectation, the way we think it should work. I'm going to make it very, I'm going to, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you the, so I think number one, we've got to change our expectations, right? That they're more biblical, they're more realistic, they're honest. And I think there's one other solution that is being forgotten and I'll, I'll give it at the end. Satan, the master manipulator, always attempts to manipulate the circumstances and use it as a recipe for discouragement. 
Again, I don't like that. Manipulate the circumstance. I, I, I don't think he means like actually do something with the circumstance. I think he's saying that Satan uses the circumstance. But once again, he's putting it back on Satan. And that would require Satan to be omnipresent in every circumstance for every believer. And he's not, he's not there. And we're all exposed to his manipulation as human beings. However, as believers, we are also spiritual beings. And we have a Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And hence, we can draw on the resources of the Holy Spirit to counteract this strategy. Paul tells us again in in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our discouragements, our trials, our sufferings are those things that are not permanent. They are temporary in nature. I could look back on my own life and I can think of times when I was sorely and terribly discouraged. But as I look back now, I see how God brought the victory. And God always brings the victory. Our counter to discouragement is looking to those things which are unseen, which are things of faith, things laying hold to the promises of God and belief in God. Johnny Erickson Tata, I think you all know who she is, made this this great statement. She says, being a Christian does not mean that you are immune from discouragement. Listen to that. Johnny Erickson Tata, she was a teenager, a di- uh, like a diving accident. She's paralyzed. She's been in horrible pain most of her life. A, a, a very powerful testimony, especially against the charismatic movement because, yeah, you're right. She wasn't healed. Okay. And they say, I guess they would blame her faith, but she's gone on and, and done so much in, 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 in her life for Christ. All right. But just please note what she just said. She's correcting your expectation. Your Christian life doesn't mean you're going to be free from pain and difficulty. The key to fighting spiritual discouragement is a right expectation of the Christian life. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There can be disease. There's going to be failure. There's going to be sin. There's that. If you, if you have the right expectation, then it's, that greatly limits the amount of discouragement you can encounter. It will happen, but you do not have to be defeated by it. Remember the power, hope, and goodness of God. Trust in his promises. Your faith in Christ will enable you to fight and to win the battle. So what must we do? What must we do in times of spiritual discouragement? We must look upward and not look inward. Inward sees human limitations. It sees the things that we cannot overcome. But upward sees the unlimited, supernatural, delivering power. I would say... Before we look up or before we look in, we have to look at the circumstance and make sure our expectation is one that is biblical and realistic and truthful, because if our expectation is wrong, all of these other things 
will not ultimately get rid of our discouragement because we have to go to the source of it, which is our wrong expectation. Power of God. Psalm 18.3 says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Psalm 18.46, the Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Friends, discouragement is a spiritual battle. It is spiritual warfare. Therefore, it must be countered spiritually. There are four disciplines of our warfare that we are to employ every single day of our life. And you know them. They are prayer, fasting, meditation of Scripture, and fellowship with other believers. You knew at some point it was going to come in, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Fast, pray, Scripture. You, you knew that was going to happen because we always heap that on there. And I'm saying you can do all of those things. You can read, you can fast, you can pray, you can go to church, you can listen to 37,000 hours of sermons. You're still going to get discouraged unless you have a right expectation about the Christian life. You have to understand exactly what it is. And whenever you get discouraged, ask yourself, what was I expecting here? What was I what was I expecting in this situation? And I guarantee you, you were expecting something that was never promised or guaranteed, and you probably shouldn't have had that expectation. All right. You will find that it is these four disciplines that our enemy immediately seeks to distract you and distance you from in times of discouragement. And if you are not active in Christ, if you are not spirit-filled, then how can one draw on the tools and the power of a God that you do not know? How shall we by faith conquer principalities and spiritual forces if we do not pray? How shall we have eyes of faith and apprehend God at his word if we do not meditate on God's word? See, it's going to come down. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And all I'm saying is I just need to make sure I look at life the way it's supposed to be seen, which is the reality of what can happen and could happen and probably will happen, all right? He's saying, no, I got to do the, here's all these list of things I have to do. I can do them. If my expectations are not correct, those things will not help. In fact, there will come a burden and will discourage you more because you'll fall short in doing them as much as you think you should. And by the way, we're all going to suffer. But I pray that after we have, Oh, now there he goes. He, he, see, he just hinted at, by the way, we're all going to suffer. See, there, there's a hint of knowing that the problem is our, our, our wrong expectation. Suffer after we have persevered, after we have tri triumph in Christ, that it would be said of all of us, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me. For the glory of God, for the glory of Christ, and for the glory of the gospel. Amen. Okay. Now, my final, so, so the first solution is we got to have a correct expectations about life. And number two, 
This is so big because Peter gets very frustrated when Jesus told him, hey, I'm going to die. Peter gets all mad and pulls him aside, basically begins to rebuke God. Like, no, this is not going to happen. And Jesus has to tell Peter, get behind me, Satan, right? And then he says these very powerful words in Matthew chapter 16. This is very important. If any man will come after me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The way to combat discouragement is we have to die to ourselves. When we die to ourselves, we deny ourselves. When we ever and we never truly accomplish this, right? But it's only when we die to self that well discouragement can't happen to us because I'm dead to self. Self is dead. That this is the never-ending struggle, but it's just something we have to pursue. But it really starts with so my two suggestions is first, you got to have the right expectation of life, and you have to constantly be trying to deny self and die to self. So that when self is dead, whatever happens, discouragement, whatever comes at you, it's nothing there because it's no longer you, it's Christ that lives in you. You you have died to self. And I wish that I could say that that only really happens positionally. Practically, we are going to fall short of it, but that's what we constantly strive for. All right, I'll stop right there. I hope this satisfied the person who asked me to review this. I love the fact that they uh, talked about spiritual discouragement. They have some very interesting points there. You can write down those three points. I would tell you to subscribe to their series, United Prayer Meditations. They, look, whether you agree or disagree, they always, look, they sparked a great conversation, did they not? I have a completely different perspective, but that's okay. You got to hear theirs. You got to hear mine. And hopefully as you struggle through the Christian life, because it is a struggle and it is full of difficulties and ups and downs, you'll consider everything we've talked about, spiritual discouragement, and you will find some sense of peace and hope in this conversation. If you have any questions, thoughts about any of this, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful night. May God bless you. May God give you peace as you sleep. Thank you for listening.